the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Measuring up to what God has called us to look like in Christ and using the tape measure he's provided. That's all next here on Truth For Today. Join us. I can remember, and as I imagine most of you can remember, on the edge of one of the doors, those little marks that your mom or dad would measure you with every so often. You'd walk by and you'd see the little ink marks to see the progress of how you're growing. When it comes to the measure of a man spiritually, there is a similar way of doing just that. Seeing our growth, charting our progress, to help us do that, Paul lays out for us some characteristics that should be evident in our lives here in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Join us there as we catch up with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard, for today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Let's go to Titus 1, just showing some of the things he wants to be products of a home that's managed. I think an interesting verse, he begins in verse 6, An elder must be blameless, the husband of but one wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Uh, I take the word for believe here to be faithful. I think that King James says that, New American. It's a word that can be translated believe, but it can have the sense of an active sense of being faithful. I think it's the idea of raised children that will be faithful to carry out the instructions of the Father. I don't think it's salvation in view, because I don't think any home can guarantee the salvation of its children. I don't think you measure a man's character by whether his children believe or not. You can measure how he raised them by whether they're faithful to obey their father while under his supervision. So I I would emphasize that. And You don't want to pick a man for leadership that has wild and disobedient children. Uh, The word wild is a word asotia, and it means wasted, debauched. I mean, this is a bad state. And this word here for disobedient means they will not come under rank. They will not come under any authority. So he says a man that has children like that is limited by what he can do in the church. Because you must have children that can follow an order. That will keep a rule that responds correctly. So, uh, you see that a dad is very much involved in the raising of a product called a child. And uh, I want to say some things about the home that I think are just plain with Scripture. Number one, the well-managed home sees a husband treating his wife properly. And the rest of the family takes the cue from that. The, uh, I see couples that badmouth each other, fight a lot in front of each other. A terrible testimony to the kids. Just recently read a book, Reforming Marriage is the name of it. 
says when you're fighting with your husband or wife, you're having a spat, said four things to do. Number one, lock the house door and don't let anyone in. No one in. Two, you can't go out. Don't go to dinner when you're spatting. It's, it's really hard on the digestive tract. Three, don't seek sex. If we can't settle our spat, we don't need to be physical. Because we don't need to bring the most intimate area of our lives, bring a fight to it. That should have been settled. And fourthly, I love this, learn to make signals that in public you admit you just blew it and you'll deal with it when you get home. It's like... <laughs> you notice I do that with Carolyn a lot? Deal with it when we get home. And you're all saying, the women getting. Don't spat in front of others. We're not supposed to see that. The manager is not to upbraid his employees in front of the rest of the employees as a whole. There's this right to privacy, this right of dignity. Why do we believe that with adults and we don't do that with kids? Is it wrong to honor a child so that you don't spank them in front of everybody? They say, please excuse me, we'll go to the room, we'll do the spanking and the instructing there. Is there anything wrong with that? Or is that dignity, is that fairness, is that respect for the child? Well-managed house, for if he cannot manage his household, how will he ever take care of the household of faith? Um, how we treat our wives. And I think we ought to say this. Learn to, do you treat your children as though they are gifts from God or fits from God? Are they gifts or fits? Now, there's times they're both. But a positive attitude about children. Do you know your children can know if you're glad they're there or not? Have you ever heard this kind of a mentality? Well, I can't wait till you get 18 and get out on your own. Boy, it just makes you want to be there. Makes you feel welcome, you know. Yeah, you're just consuming groceries. We need to get you out there and get you on your own. Because we love you with all of our heart. But we can love you from a distance better than near. You know, uh, children, they pick that up. Men, I must say this, our biggest problem today is men abdicating in the home. They become advisors instead of authorities. They advise their children about curfew. They're not an authority about it. Because many a man wants to be liked by everybody and doesn't have the guts to make hard decisions. To say, this is the way it's going to be. Well, go see your mama. I'm reading the paper. I'm watching the Olympics. No, don't go see mama. You're talking to the head. You're talking to the leader of this home. I never forget the rebellion I was getting into in my teens. And my mother was in her 50s and weary of my behavior. But she didn't say much. She tried not to say much. She just put up with it a lot. You know, when you're raising number seven or you're down to the seventh child. In years, you kind of wear out a little bit. And... Uh, I got where I was smart-mouthing her and disrespectful and acting like a little San Pablo hoodlum and uh, unsaved and, and just cocky and all that stuff. Guess what? My mother never did change that behavior in me. 
I don't think she could, because she would yell or could threaten, but I could have handled her at 14. She's pretty big, but I could, have, I could outrun her. <laughs> you know, I mean, she was no threat. Guess who the threat was? Uh-huh. Soon as my dad came home, I prayed she'd have amnesia. <laughs> I prayed for quick Alzheimer's right now. Mom, forget. Please. And many a nervous night at the table. Don't slip, Mama. Don't slip. Don't rehearse anything about today. And she finally slipped one night. And uh, the household manager dealt with me. Not the weaker vessel. Men, quit abdicating. Quit being passive wimps. God expects a man to lead, and he wants him to deal with the hard stuff, like teenage rebellion. She's not that her, you know, as soon as they become rebels, they're her kids. The moment they get a dirty diaper, that's your baby. Well, where were you, mister, when they were conceived? Dream lover. Be my girl. Yeah. You were having a nightmare. I know. You were there, honey. You were there. And the manager steps up. Anybody can hire. Not anybody can fire. Anybody can be a hero with their employees. Not anybody can deal with the hard stuff. And I'll talk with men about money. Do you give? Well, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Well, my wife handles finances. You mean you work and you don't know if anything gets paid or not? You mean you work and you don't make it your business to know where the checks go? No, I'm, no, I don't. What, are you nearly bankrupt? I don't know. I hope she's doing a good job. <laughs> he's either a lousy leader, a no leader, but he's the leader. Ain't no escape. God says, if I send someone from the third heaven and they knock on your door and say, I want to see the leader of this house, don't send the wife. God won't accept it. He said, I'm not talking to the leader yet. And, but you, you'll start arguing, but boy, most women know how to lead it better. Oh, we're not doubting that. We're not doubting she could do it better. But she hasn't been given the job. Men, when you look at a man's life, look at his home. How he manages his wife. You know, you think of this. If a man doesn't have time for the nearest kin in this world to him, wife and children, how could he ever give adequate care to anybody else? When you can't care for what you fathered, and you can't care for what you pursued and married. Let me give you this wonderful line from Winston Churchill. I, I think I can get my hands on it. I love this. Uh, hold on while I find it. I need to rest my voice. Oh, it was, uh, it was a gem. My wife, oh no, I don't want that. There he's being a little smart aleck. He said, he said the greatest accomplishment in his life, he felt, was the fact that God gave him enough ability to get his wife to say yes and marry him. He said, I consider it the greatest achievement of life, not being the House of Parliament, but getting a woman to say, I'll live with you the rest of my life. That's a great compliment. 
Money and house is quiet subjects, aren't they? I think it's interesting that when he measures a man and he measures his management ability, he doesn't ask you to measure how he does in his business. He doesn't ask how he can manage his office or manage his vocation. He says, look at his home, how he treats a wife and how he treats the children of that marriage is one of the grandest or saddest profiles you can ever find on him. A home that I think operates like God wants is a home where there's acceptance. It's a home where uh, people in it feel, I'm glad to be here. I feel accepted. I might be a Down syndrome child. I may be an afflicted child. I dealt with childhood afflictions. And I'll tell you what a joy it was to have my parents and brothers and sisters always coaching me and saying I could overcome the handicaps of crutches and braces and speech therapy and hearing loss and paralysis. I want to tell you, between my mom and dad and four brothers and sisters, I had a, a team greater than any Olympic coach. They said, you can make it. You can be something. We accept you, afflictions and all. We're glad you're here. What an environment to be accepted. An environment of peace where spats are not World War III, but they're occasions to get the best opinion. They're occasions to test ideas. There's the freedom to disagree. I gave my children the right to disagree with me. I was raised that that was not a privilege of childhood but I thought it was healthy. We battled all kinds of things. We battled over racial issues. We battled over... I, I learned more about sex for my three daughters going through high school than I'd ever really wanted to know. <laughs> and it was real tough, especially when we had missionaries at the table. You know, when my... When I was growing up, I had brothers. You didn't talk to mom and dad. Where do you get the answers? Well, they just shared it at the table, and I thought, my lands, all three of them are going to be Dr. Ruth. What am I going to do? Pray for us. Uh, freedom. Freedom to fail. Are your kids free to fail and still be loved? Do they have to be this, be that? Have you programmed their life? Well, you want to instruct them in the fear of the Lord. You want to direct the arrow. But is there any freedom of choice in their bents and vocations and desires? Or they got to be this duplicate? I think what's so marvelous about a sane little league game, and they're not all sane. The parents are usually the ones most out of control. But it is a moving experience to often watch a mom and dad cheer for the boy or the girl that struck out. Because they're saying your worth is greater than your performance. The satanic myth is my worth is based upon my performance plus other people's opinions of me. That's what I'm worth. God says to me, you're worth what I say you're worth. You have failed plenty, and everybody may be against you. Everybody may not have a positive word. But when you hear God the Father say, you're forgiven, you're declared righteous, 
You're acceptable to me, not because you've always done the right, not because you're perfect, but because I've forgiven you and accepted you in Jesus. Why don't we give the gift of acceptance to kids who fail? You don't compromise your convictions to love somebody that is failing to live up to them. You don't compromise your convictions to love a child that doesn't measure up to your convictions. Well, my son's in sin. My son's in drugs. My daughter's this. Yes, what are you going to do? I refuse to have any relationship. I reject them. I don't hear God do that. In our sin, sometimes he's pursued us the heaviest. Have you ever been backslidden in the Christian life? I had a nine-month period of being backslid. Couldn't live it. So I bailed out of church. Only lasted nine months to a year, but seemed like eternity. You know what would bug me about those years or those months in a young teenager's life? I just kept feeling God loved me. And I keep telling him, because I grew up, if you backslid, you're going to hell. So every night I'd remind God, okay, when are you going to turn up the heat? He'd keep loving me. Keep loving me. I go back to childhood when my brother and an uncle were on visitation. And one night that uncle said, son, we've been missing you at church. We love you. Wish you were there. Broke my heart as a rebellious teenager that was whipped. But just to hear an uncle say he missed me at church. It broke my heart so much I left the front room, went to my bedroom so I'd cry in private. I never told anybody. I've never forgot it. I could tell you where I was sitting in the room. It made an impact for life. He said, we want you. We want you, though you've walked away. You're still welcome. Are your children welcome? Openness, not shame. An environment of gratitude. Do your kids come home so you can all gripe? Or do you come home so you can all be thankful? There's some homes, it's, all, it's an inside uh, shootout. You're always shooting at somebody, either one another, and every once in a while, you get a fresh morsel, you find another human being that's worse than the ones you're living with, and you pick on them. Or do you grow up with gratitude? I think it was one of the great things I enjoyed about my dad, was gratitude. He'd had so little, and he died with so little, but he was thankful for what he had. He knew what it was to be hungrier than he died, He knew what it was not to have a $20 bill, and he could just rejoice. I've got a roof over my head. I've got a meal. I've got clothing. I've got your mama. I've got you kids. I'm the richest man in town. And yet I meet with believers, and I go in their home. There's no gratitude going on. Everybody's discontent with where they are. And your kids can feel that. Your wife can feel that. I find it's easier to preach than it is to be a good husband. I find it's easier to preach than it is to be a good father because I have a supernatural gift that makes me a pastor teacher. I'm driven to it even when I'm semi-carnal, even when I'm half discouraged, even when I've botched it. I've got this kind of burning in me. I want to preach, teach. And sometimes on my worst days, I preach and it's profound and I wonder who in the world said what I said. I feel borne up by God. 
Because it's easy, they said of one preacher, when he's in the pulpit, we wish that he would never come down. And when he's out of it, we wish he would never get in it. Because he's a demon out of it and an angel in it. It's easy in the church. By the way, I find some people who are failing in their homes love to have authority in the church and in their vocation. You know why? It's the only place they can get anybody to obey them. They can be power hungry over here because if you're not seeing anybody shaped by your authority over here, this is, I'm going to use all the authority I can in a vocation or in the church. And they ought to many times become autocratic, dictatorial, and, and flexible. Say, you know what? You can't do that. Do your kids uh, want to be like you? Does your wife, would your wife vote for you to be a deacon if you never saw her ballot? I think uh, one of the greatest things God does for pastors' wives is gives them listening, listening, tolerance, patience. To hear the same person that you wash their socks preach takes great grace. You know, my wife isn't impressed. The only thing she's impressed about is she thinks I love God. And sometimes I act like it. The other times she says, you're acting out of character. That's not the way you ought to act. What's your home like? Many a dysfunctional home. I think your children are your greatest compliment or your greatest heartbreak, no doubt. But I think this, even to the child that leaves the home and hasn't done everything you said, that may not reflect on the manager. Did you manage the problem biblically to the best of your ability and finally say they made their choices? But God holds us accountable to manage in a godly way our wife, our children, and all that goes on in that household. We're still the captain. We may not be guilty, but we're responsible to see what we can do for God in righteousness. May God give us the strength to be men who know how to manage in a godly way. We've got the job. Resignations are not accepted. Abdications aren't accepted. You're it. Do it the way God wants, and there can be great blessing. Father, we thank you so much for your word that examines us, critiques us, cuts like a two-edged sword and evaluates us. Sometimes we feel we, our whole insides are put out on the operating table for you to examine our heart, our motives, our behavior. I pray for every man that's a husband and a father that you'd give them the wisdom, the grace, and the strength to manage their home in a caring way, in a way that Christ is promoted and honored. Let us not be passive. Let us not abdicate. Let us not slough off, blame, transfer, put our head in the sand. May we rise to the occasion to care. We care because we care. I pray that you'll move all of our people today to put something on this Bible to help our dear brothers and sisters who are rebuilding their churches their Bibles have been burned. Their song books have been burned. The pews have been burned. Uh, their facilities have been burned. Many in poor areas. May we as the body of Christ 
give something in order to tell our brothers and sisters there in the Carolinas, in the East Coast, in the South, we stand with you, we love you, your need is our opportunity. Help us to be a part of this offering. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. As we conclude our time together today, we would invite you to contact us if you have questions, comments about the broadcast. Maybe you have a question about your own walk and relationship with the Lord or a prayer request. We'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch with us today. Now, we have a couple of ways to do so. The easiest might be simply visiting our website, truthfortodayradio.org. You can drop us an email. We have other means of contact that you'll find there at truthfortodayradio.org. We also have a lot of resource materials available for your growth and relationship with Christ. Our design and desire is to see that you grow in Christ, grow according to his knowledge and grace. Any way we can help, well, that's why we're here. So stop by truthfortodayradio.org or simply give us a call. 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. Please bear in mind as you contact us that this is a listener-supported ministry. As you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. Prayerfully consider how you might get involved in the ministry of Truth For Today, won't you? 855 833-9864 or write to us. Our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue Suite 278 Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547 and that website once again truthfortodayradio.org It is a pleasure spending time with you in God's Word. We trust we'll see you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.